Hello, and welcome to the Laverne Church of Christ podcast, and thank you for joining us. You can find us at 244 Old Nashville Highway, Laverne, Tennessee, 37086. We hope that any time you are in the area, you will stop by and join us for worship. Our Sunday morning worship is at 9 a.m., with Bible classes following. Our Sunday evening worship is at 6 p.m., and we also have a Bible study on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Scripture reading this morning will be from John 15, verses 18 through 20, is on page 956 in your pew Bibles. If the world hates you, you know that they hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Good morning, church. Welcome guests, of which we have a number, and uh, I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all of you mamas, and all of you that have mamas, which is all of you. Uh, it's so good, uh, and so such a great blessing. I appreciate what Brother Ernest said, exactly right, what a great blessing. I'm very thankful for my mother, who very much helped to raise me up in the, in the way of the Lord, and I'm very thankful for my wife, who has... Uh, really done so much uh, to help bring up my sons in the faith also, and I'm very grateful. And uh, I want to also say an apology to mamas that Mother's Day just happens to fall uh, during a series called Hated. It has nothing to do with mamas, so just make sure you understand that from the start and don't attack me on the way out, and I would appreciate that. Uh, I also want to make another apology. I want to make an apology to all of my black brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, And you will see why as we proceed through this sermon. An apology about this. An apology for what the devil has done to you and your people in this country for a long period of time. And, uh, And because of the fact that every time a movement has arisen in the past century or so... in in which black people have tried to bring attention and awareness to the fact that there is still work to be done in this country to make the the, the playing field truly equal, servants of Satan end up adopting and, and weaseling their way into that movement and turning it into things that violate the will and the word of God. And one of those things is what we call today woke culture. I mentioned woke culture in the first uh, sermon of this series, the last Sunday of April. We had a couple of weeks break and then came back to this series. And so today I want to talk a little bit about woke culture and what that is today and what Christians ought to be thinking about it. And so the sermon today is so-called woke or cancel culture and the hatred of Jesus. This whole series is the animosity that exists between Jesus and the world. Uh, which is only curable in one way. The only way that that animosity is curable is by people leaving the world 
in embracing Jesus Christ as Lord and becoming a part of his people. But listen to this uh, explanation or this definition of woke culture. Woke culture is a term that refers to a social and political movement that emphasizes awareness and activism around issues of social justice, particularly in relation to race, gender, and sexual orientation. The term woke originally emerged as African-American slang to describe being aware of and sensitive to racial discrimination and inequality issues. And I would say I have no problem with that at all, and I hope that no Christian has a problem with that. But unfortunately, in recent years, the term has been adopted more broadly to describe a range of progressive social movements and campaigns that seek to challenge traditional power structures. And I want you to understand when you see that phrase, it means also biblical leadership structures, biblical norms and ideals, and to promote greater equality and inclusivity. I'm all about greater equality and inclusivity, but I'm not about the kind of equality and inclusivity that so-called woke culture now is proclaiming to be right. Critics of woke culture argue it has led to a culture of canceling individuals or groups deemed to be, to be politically correct, which is absolutely the case, that is true, but proponents argue it is a necessary response to systemic oppression. So the question today is should Christians be woke? And that little strange symbol should be a question mark. So I've been, I've been experimenting with this font here, and it sometimes uh, pushes back, but don't worry about that. Should Christians be woke? Well, first of all, the only necessary response to sin in the world is Jesus. Do I need to repeat that? The only necessary response to sin in this world is Jesus. And this, this cancel culture, this so-called woke culture is an attempt by people in Western civilization primarily, the United States and Europe and uh, you know, North and South America, Western culture. It is an attempt on the behalf of Western culture to address some things that are seen as moral evils in our culture. And uh, hey, listen, I've already said, I, I'm not denying the fact that there are evils in this culture and that there is racism in this culture. And even the way that people that are practicing unbiblical sinful lifestyles, homosexual, transgender lifestyles, those are unbiblical and sinful things, unacceptable to Jesus and unacceptable to God. But the way that they are sometimes treated by people claiming to be Christians is also an evil. And we need to be aware of that and sensitive to that. But the response to that that has the ability to eventually solve the problem is not a social movement arising from the world. If it's a social movement that arises from the world, then it cannot resist being tainted or compromised with sin. All that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the world is passing away with its desires. If it comes from the world, it comes from lust. It comes from pride. And it will not be able to get around those evil motivations and remain pure. One of the reasons why the civil rights movement that began back before the 1960s but picked up steam in the 1960s, one of the reasons why it was initially so successful is because it began in church. It began in church by people who loved Jesus 
and recognized in Jesus' way, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount, the method to actually lovingly convict people of sin, bring them into a state of compassionate conscience, and move them to activate processes, changes of behavior that would redeem the broken systems and, and pieces and, and, and bits of, of the remnants of abuse in the past and make the nation more just, more equal, more right as it should be in the eyes of Jesus. But ever since then, the world has been finding its way into that movement and causing it to... Uh, act to, to become an activist movement for other things that are sinful. Jesus is the only necessary response to sin in the world, injustice and any kind of evil. And this means believing and obeying the gospel and living your life according to the teachings of the Bible is the right response to all isms that exist, even racism. Number two, despite its more innocent origins, woke culture now makes false moral claims about good and evil. And because they're false, they ultimately produce the very thing that they aim to eliminate, which is, in fact, hate. If you'll follow along with me during this lesson, you'll realize that this is true. Let's talk about some woke virtues, some so-called woke virtues. First of all, one of the so-called woke virtues is that racism or ethnic prejudice is evil. We want to test these things by the Word of God. The Apostle Paul teaches Christians that we are to test all things and to hold fast that which is good. And the standard that we've been given by which we can test anything that's in this world in our life, in our own minds, in our relationships is Scripture. So we come to the Word of God, accepting it as the revelation of God from Himself to man, and we look at the authority of Scripture to teach us right from wrong on every issue on race or ethnic relations, sexual relations, sexual roles, gender issues, all of those sorts of things are in fact governed by the Word of God. And so we ask, what about racial uh, prejudice? Does the Bible have anything to say about that? Yes, it has a great deal to say about that. And you members here know that I've preached on this subject at least twice in the past several years. And I've gotten into it in a lot more detail than I'm going to get into it today. I just want to draw your attention to the Great Commission itself. Matthew 28 and verse 19, Jesus says, Go into the world and make disciples of all the nations. That phrase, all the nations, in our English Bible comes from the Greek phrase ta ethne. Now, think of the word ethne. And if you just think about it for a half second, you realize that that is the origin of our English word ethnic. Now, what Jesus literally says, if we literally translated that into English, it would say, go into all the world and make disciples of every ethnic group. Jesus wants people from every ethnic group in his church, and he wants them all to be equal in his church. How do I know that? Matthew 23 and verse 8, where Jesus says, you are all brothers. And so if anyone has been reached with the gospel of Christ because of, of the Great Commission work, red, yellow, black, or white is the old kid's song we used to sing. If anybody in the world has been reached through the message of the cross, they are brought into the only one church that exists. And the status that they enjoy in the church is that we are all brothers and sisters on an equal level playing field. Even those who have positions of leadership and authority in the church, whether through preaching or teaching the word or through being uh, an elder, overseeing the whole of the church, a deacon leading one ministry of the church or someone that works in some other kind of staff position leading stuff, 
Yes, there are folks that lead things for the sake of the order of the body. But in the eyes of God, and thus in the eyes of people, it doesn't mean that they are members on another level. They're all members of the church on the same level. There's no one hierarchically superior to anyone else in the church. There are only people that have been given the authority to make decisions for the good of the whole. And so Jesus says you're all brothers. And so if we're all saved by the same great commission, the same message of Christ, and if we're all in the world, every ethnic group baptized into the same Lord, into the same faith, and that we're all in this body of believers, brothers and sisters, and that's the only way to view each other, then I'm going to tell you the Bible says that racism or racial prejudice has no place in the church at all. And if you actually really do understand the gospel that you believed and obeyed, it must attack and seek out and destroy and kill and eliminate any kind of prejudicial thinking within your heart. And if it hasn't done that, it's not a problem with the gospel. It's not a problem with Jesus. It's not a problem with the Bible. It's a problem with you. It's a sin problem. And so we can say that I, look, I agree. I can say I'm woke to that. I'm woke to the fact that racism or ethnic prejudice is evil. And I use those two different terms because ethnic prejudice can be used in a lot of ways. But racism is systematized ethnic prejudice. Well, a second uh, so-called woke virtue is the idea that defaulting to male leadership is evil. And those who claim to be woke are saying they're also woke to the fact that for the whole history of the human race, men have oppressed women. Now, let me just go ahead and kind of rhetorically ask the question, is it true that for the history of the whole human race, men have oppressed women? The answer to that question is yes. But it is not true that every man has oppressed every woman since the dawn of time. And it is also not true that the idea that God created men to be the natural leaders in the human family, it, it, it does not believe that that is evil. It does not teach that that is evil. Listen, brothers and sisters, listen, please, listen. In creation, God endowed the male of the species with certain qualities that make him naturally rise to positions of leadership when all things are healthy in a culture. That does not mean that a woman cannot lead. It does not mean that there are not section, exceptions to the rule. It doesn't mean that women are not smart enough to lead, not capable to lead. It doesn't mean a woman is sinful if she leads a business or, or leads a family as a single mother or, or as a leader in her community for the sake of good. And the Bible gives us multiple examples of women throughout the history of the faith who have been, I guess, exceptions to the rule and have been leaders in the people of God and done great work for Him. And we celebrate that and we love that, but we must affirm the fact that the Bible teaches the principle of male spiritual leadership at least. And this is not an evil at all when you actually understand the gender roles according to the way that Scripture reveals them to us. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3 gives us the order of operations in this world, in this life, and that is that Jesus submits to God the Father, that every man in the church of our Lord submits to Christ as his head, and that woman submits to the leadership of man in the church, particularly the wife to the leader of her husband. That is 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 15 teaches the principle of male leadership in leading the prayers of the church and speaking and teaching before the combined church. We draw from these passages the rule that when there are Christian men present who are capable and willing, they should be doing the teaching and they should be doing the leading. And it's not evil. It's Jesus' will. 
It's what the Bible teaches. And it is also in keeping with the natures that God has given us that have been designed for different functions that are equally vital and important uh, for the health of the family, for the health of the church, the health of the community, and the health of the world. And brothers and sisters, I'm trusting that most of us know that because of a century or so of trying to fight against these uh, traditional power structures, you remember that? Well, about a century of culture trying to push back and fight against traditional power structures. In other words, the Bible's teachings on how family and church and society should be ordered. We have disorder, we have strife, we have immorality, and we have every kind of evil in this culture. And sending out just shockwaves of pain and abuse in every single direction. And so we have to say that woke culture is quite, quite mistaken in its idea that defaulting to male leadership is evil. Another is, is the idea that refusing to accept homosexuality and transgenderism, the dashes didn't show up, but anyway, homosexuality and transgenderism as good as evil. Those who are virtue signaling, woke virtue signals say refusing to accept homosexuality or transgenderism as good is evil. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible says, and God made them male and female. And, and that principle continues to hold weight from Genesis chapter 1 until Revelation 22. It is the will of God that a male, one who is born biologically male, shall live as a male. One who is born biologically female shall live as a female. And anything else is sin. And God cannot lie. Titus 1 and verse 2. If he has said in his word that this is true, it is true. Violations of this will be judged. And you love no one that you affirm in a lifestyle of sin. Please, I beg you, let it sink in. Leviticus 18 and verse 22 says that it is an abomination. And sometimes in our culture today, people will look back on Leviticus 18, 22, and they'll say, that's all Old Testament stuff back when God was mean. Uh, okay, you know, I, I'm not trying to be harsh about that. I do understand that there are lots of folks that mean well that don't really understand Jesus and where he fits in the Old and New Testament and how that works. But I just challenge you to become a better Bible student if you think Old Testament is stuff back when God was mean, maybe before God grew up or something and learned that he ought to be nice. Listen, the same God is the God of the Old Testament that is the God of the New Testament. And in fact, it's the New Testament that says a whole lot more about hell than the Old Testament ever did. Now, it's also the New Testament that has revealed the grace and truth of Jesus Christ and that has shown us the perfect plan of God that has led to the one reason for people to love each other in this life despite the disagreements that we might have together. But it doesn't change the fact that the Bible in both Testaments teaches us what is morally right guides us with regard to what is morally wrong so that we will have the ability to, to follow God's way, to, to show our love for him by obeying him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if you won't keep Jesus' commandments, you don't love him and don't claim that you do. Romans 1, 26 and 27, all these passages together mention both males and females. Males indulging in same-sex attraction for males, females indulging in same-sex attraction for females, and calls it sin, and it is sin. And therefore, once again, I have to say 
I cannot be woke to that. What about the idea that teaching Jesus as Lord is evil? One of the so-called woke virtues that's being communicated to our culture today in the media, in the school systems, and and face-to-face in personal relationship is this idea. You cannot say that Jesus is Lord. Because when you say Jesus is Lord, you're saying that Muhammad is a false prophet. If you're saying Jesus is Lord, you're saying that the Buddha does not teach people true religion. If you're saying that Jesus is Lord, then you're telling Hindus that they're worshiping false gods. If you say Jesus is Lord, you're telling agnostics and atheists that they are missing the mark and the point of life and that they're heathens and unbelievers and that they're lost and they're headed for judgment. And I say to all of those accusations, yes, that's exactly what we're saying. What we are saying is that Muhammad is a false prophet. That is what we're saying. But what we're saying is that the Hindu gods are false gods. What we are saying is that Buddha is not a safe guide in spiritual matters. What we are saying is the very thing that Jesus said himself. We have to make the decision whether we really are disciples of Jesus or whether we're just disciples of Jesus if the world likes it. Right? Because if you really are a disciple of Jesus, you're going to recognize the truth of who he is. He is Lord is Lord. That is our confession, Romans 10 and verse 9. He is the Lord over all. In Matthew 28 and verse 18, again, the Great Commission. You see, this is so fundamental to what Christianity is about. The purpose of the church is to spread the gospel of Jesus, and the Great Commission is our primary marching order. And right there in, in Matthew 28, verse 18, in the giving of that Great Commission, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. By who? By God the Father. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Lord. And anyone that denies that is in danger of standing before him in judgment, unprepared for eternity. And so once again, I have to say, I'm sorry, but I just can't be woke to that. And so we ask the question about these woke virtues. Are they virtues? That symbol again should be a question mark. All right, so woke virtues, are they virtues? Well, three out of the four that we looked at, and of course, I could spend more time with more nuances of so-called woke culture or canceled culture, but three out of the four of these virtues are wrong. The roots of it are fine, brothers and sisters. The roots of it are fine. There is no good in mistreating people because of the color of their skin or the language they speak or where their ancestors came from. There's nothing wrong with struggling against same-sex attraction just a temptation but you can't give in impenitently you cannot embrace as an identity what the Lord has clearly revealed to us as sin that's rebellion that's apostasy God cannot lie Hebrews 13 4 marriage is to be held in honor among all and the bed undefiled fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And he cannot lie. If he said it, it is what will occur. Number three, listen, so-called woke or cancel culture arose out of political correctness. Political correctness is something that really began to pick up steam in my childhood in the 1980s 
And I, I want to be fair to it and say that it started out as a good thing. Because there's nothing wrong with being considerate. There's nothing wrong with trying to interact with people in ways that don't unnecessarily offend them. So if I preach the gospel of Jesus and I say Jesus is Lord, and I say Jesus' way is right, and His will we ought to obey, we ought to love Him, and we ought to give ourselves to Him as faithful servants. Whatever He asks of us, that we will do. Whatever He commands, we will obey. Whatever He forbids, we will deny, and we will cut out of our lives with due faithfulness and love. So if I preach that and it offends someone, then they're necessarily offended. It's not my fault. Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Paul's words we talked about last week. But there's never a reason to be mean. There's never a reason to dehumanize. Even if someone has embraced a sinful identity, we don't demean them. We don't dehumanize them. We don't certainly don't uh, inflict violence upon them or anything like that. We, we just try to reach out to them in love. Listen to what the Word of God has to say in Titus 3, verses 1 through 3. The Apostle Paul says, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle. Notice what I've kind of highlighted in blue there. To show perfect courtesy toward all people. To show perfect courtesy toward all people. Now, I've heard Christians in the past say, the Bible doesn't anywhere tell me i got to be nice. Well, read Titus 3, 1 through 3 and get corrected, man, because it does. <laughs> it does tell you you got to be nice. And let's look at the four here, okay? For we ourselves, those of us who serve Jesus faithfully, were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. My friends, do you understand that the basic nature of fallen humanity is rebellion? The basic drive of our hearts is to do what we want to do, even if it violates the will of our loving Heavenly Father. That, there's a drive within each and every one of us, me and you and all, and even our children that don't even understand what's driving them yet. The drive of the fall, the draw of Adam's sin, forbidden fruit tastes sweetest, as the saying goes, because initially it does. Man, I can tell you I have had a lot of pleasure and a lot of fun by sinning. You ever hear that from the pulpit very often? It's true. That's why it's a temptation. But the fun doesn't last. The pleasure fades. And you find yourself face to face with the one who tempted you to begin with, whose whole purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And when you embrace ways that violate His revealed will and His revealed word, that's exactly what you'll get. Your life will be stolen from you. The devil will kill you. He'll destroy everything that you hold dear. He'll make a hateful son or daughter of hell out of you if you allow yourself to be deceived by his way. But listen, 
regardless of a movement's roots, you will know it by its fruits. I say this humbly. I don't know if I have a right to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. To my black brothers and sisters in Christ, this movement's got to be abandoned. The devil has hijacked it, and it is no longer doing good. Christians have to turn away from it because every movement flowing from the stream of political correctness is now producing strife and division. And you've got to know that this is true. Looking around America today and you see what's on the news and you, you, you see what's going on in our communities and all of this flows from this, this movement that is designed to counter these traditional power structures and the biblical teachings that made Western civilization a thing to begin with. And it is destroying the culture that has nurtured us all around us. But listen, brothers and sisters, do not hate them. You see, many people who claim to be woke love Jesus. They're simply misinformed. They're not our enemies. Don't regard them as our enemies. But we've got to recognize that the woke cultural movement cannot help but produce enemies of Jesus because the movement is entangled with the world. And so I ask you, brothers and sisters, don't be woke. Be holy. You know what the word holy means? You know, holy is one of those religious words that people in, in our communities around us might use and not really understand. When people use the word holy in our world today, often they just mean religious. Somebody's holy if they are spiritual or if they're religious, if there's some outward demonstration of their belief in a God or in spiritual realities or whatever. And, and so they might be called a holy person because they're religious or because they claim to be spiritual. But the word holy at its root means separate. It means separate. It means that something has been taken out from the, the box that is called normal or common or usual or the way things often are, just what's in the world. And so something's been taken out of that box of common stuff that has been tainted by the world and has been put over here in a box that says belonging to God, seeking God's way, obeying God, doing God's will. That's the box marked holy. So to be holy is to separate yourself from the world that is in rebellion against God. It's to embrace the separation that God has already spiritually, invisibly accomplished in you when you were baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and added to His church, Acts 2, 37 and 8 and 42. See, God has already separated us from the world, taken us out of the world, and He's added us into the body of His beloved Son and the church of our Lord. He's made us separate from the world. The Christian family is a community that lives in the world but not as a part of it, separate from it, outside of it, as pilgrims within it. And we're called to, to live that principle, to live that principle out in the way that we listen to media, in the way that we look at media. And the way that we hear the dialogue that's going on in our communities around us. And the Word of God is our true north. It's our guide to enable us to discern which box something is in that is being fed to us. And if it's in the box of the world, we reject that. Because Christ has judged that. He died to rescue us from that. We've got to be solely about the business of the Father, not tainted by the culture of the world at all. To that end, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14, and skip it down to verse 17, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 
For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. My beloved brothers and sisters, Jesus is the light of the world. He was waking up those asleep in sin for centuries before woke culture was even a thought. We do not need 21st century or even 20th century movements to guide us to the light. Nothing new is coming from God. The Bible says, seek the ancient paths, Jeremiah 6 and verse 16. The passage says that's the good way. That's the way that leads to life. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. I just want to begin, or to conclude rather, with this thought, with this passage. And listen, I ask you very carefully to listen. And to think about this passage and what it says to the world that you live in. What it says to you as a person called to be in it but not of it. Paul writes, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time, you were darkness. But now, you are light. You see that? Now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as Christians, we never needed the world to wake us up. Are you hearing me? It's not because of us. It's not because of our greatness or wisdom or power or glory or anything like that. It's because Jesus already did. He already did. Even if we fail sometimes to live up to the directions that he has given us, it doesn't change the fact that we, as the church of our Lord, are Jesus' only and exclusive plan to, to open the eyes of the blind. I'm with Jesus. I'm in the church. I'm woke to him. I'm woke to his mission and nothing else. I reject all else. 
I beg you, brothers and sisters in Christ, to join me in that because it is the response to the Word of God. This morning, if you are subject to the invitation of our Lord Jesus, if as a sinner you've not confessed your faith in Him, if you've not made the decision to obey His command but be baptized that your sins might be washed away, the water is ready, the opportunity is yours. This morning, if you are a baptized believer that needs our prayers, the front pews are open. Come as we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. If you have any questions, please email them to us at office at lavernecoc.org. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.